or as a church, what we believe, um, and some different ways for you to get plugged in. But um, if you want to come talk to any of us who are on staff, we'd be happy to point you in the right direction to get you plugged in somewhere. Just a couple of announcements this morning. Um, our women's ministry has been working on how to bless you ladies. So um, starting the first Monday of each month um, in March, March 6th, so not tomorrow, but the following Monday, um, we're going to be doing ladies' night those first Mondays of each month. Um, we are going to be starting off with a game night. Um, it does say register on the app or contact sbcwomen at sbcchucky.com. Um, it's just a simple registration, name and number, so we can get an accurate head count of who's going to be there with us um, so we can prepare accordingly. Or you can just come talk to one of us. We'll help you get signed up for that if you are interested. Second, and I don't think we have a slide yet, but I know you guys have heard it mentioned, we're going to be doing a Passover feast on Friday the 31st. Um, registration is not open for that yet. It will be coming to you soon, and there will be limited spots for that. So if you are interested in coming and partaking of that with us, go ahead and sign up as soon as you see that. Um, for this last announcement, I am putting him less on the spot because he's prepared now. He did not know he was doing this in first service, but we're going to have Nick Dero come up here, and he's going to share a little bit about an opportunity for you guys worship and prayer on Thursday nights. I had that dream that somebody calls your name and you're not ready, but I, that nightmare, I, but I did have pants on, so. <clears throat> Thursday night, uh, we have a worship and prayer night. It's, it runs just about an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes. There is uh, child care upon request. We don't always have the need for it, so we don't always have somebody ready to go, but give us a couple days notice and we can provide that for you. Um, you know what? We pray about political things. We pray about personal things. We pray about social things, cultural things. We pray for the church a lot. We pray for for kids in our world a lot. Um, and that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Um, it it's not mystical. It's like, it's two three songs of worship. Praying and finish up with a song. And, uh, you know, the neat thing about prayer is, I, you know, God wants us all to have a prayer life. He wants us all to know him that way. It's, he's removed that inner, that person who stands between us and God. And, and um, so he has that all for us. So, you know, hopefully he comes into your life and he inspires you to pray. Praying doesn't come from like, I'm going to be a, a, a solid rock star Christian and pray. It comes from God inspiring you to do it. it. One of the verses that inspired me was just, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. And we are the temple of the living God. He lives inside of us. And he doesn't want us to be frustrated, and he doesn't want us to be uh, activist, as we think of that word nowadays. He doesn't want us to be stressed. He doesn't want us to be angry. He wants us to pray. And uh, so this is an opportunity to do that. We do it from pretty much from September to June. We take the summer off and uh, come out and join us. Um, I know first thing, some people you get saved, and it's like, I've never prayed out loud in front of anybody, but uh, um, it goes well. God's with you. All right. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome. Glad to have you. My name's Jesse, and uh, it's a blessing to be with you this morning. I'm part of the team here. 
we are going to be in Romans chapter 1 again, as we were last week. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans 1. <clears throat> if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our usher, ushers will gladly hand you one and just keep your hand up, uh, and they'll make sure that you get one. Um, <clears throat> man, how about worship this morning? Wasn't that great? I praise the Lord for that. It was awesome. Uh, I don't know if you know this, just tying in with, you know, we're in a sermon series called Serve, and for a lot of different reasons, uh, serve, the word serve is a, a big part of who Jesus is all about, right? He gave his life, uh, and he came to serve and not to be served, and so it's kind of a, a um, who we are. It's part of our DNA. At the same time, the word uh, serve in Scripture, oftentimes in the New Testament, is translated as worship. And so service is an act of worship, and worship is an act of service. Uh, I think it was John MacArthur, I saw a, a quote this week, he said, the truest kind of worship is service, and the truest kind of service is worship. And so we're in this series to, uh, in part, just take some time to reflect on this reality of what it means to serve. And up until, well, it, it, a little bit later in the series, we'll get a little bit more into the nuts and bolts. But right now, we're just sharing these inner qualities, these Christ-like qualities that we should have in regards to service. And so last week, we talked about Paul and how his service was a service of an open heart. And we also talked about how his service was out of gratitude. These are inner qualities we want to have that help us to serve. And so we're going to pick up on this idea of an open heart, and we're going to land this morning on prayer, which is one of the reasons why Mick shared what he shared this morning, because prayer is a big part of getting us ready to worship. So if you have your scripture, and I hope you do, uh, and if you are someone who's here every week, you know we have a tradition to honor the reading of God's word. Would you stand with me if you're able to? And, and we want to read together what it is that Paul says to the Roman church. Uh, and again, remember, he wrote this letter. He's never met the Romans, but he loves them. And this is a key uh, church in, in this time to help the message of the gospel spread. And so in verses 1 through 7, Paul introduces himself as a bondservant. A slave, essentially, is what he titles himself. He gives a brief introduction of the gospel. And then in verse 7, this is what he says. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. First, here's the gratitude. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayer, and that asking somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Now, Lord, I pray this morning you would 
do a great work in our hearts. We trust you, for you've given your life to us. You have poured out your energy for us. You have given us your Son as a gift and your Holy Spirit as well. And I pray that we would make use of all of that. We trust you this morning and we love you deeply. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. We've been looking a little bit at what makes Paul tick. The things that made Paul, Paul. The reasons that he was the way that he was. That he did what he did and he thought the way that he thought. He was an intense man. He was a guy who planted churches. He was initiator. But again, he, he at one time was not a Christian and through a, a radical uh, interaction with Jesus, he becomes a Christian. And, and he writes this letter and he opens himself up. That is, we see that in the, the mention here as he mentions I serve with my spirit. He says, I serve God with my spirit within me. This is Paul's way of saying everything about his Christianity, he's all in. He's not one foot in and one foot out. He doesn't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He's not checking things out. Paul is sold out for the gospel. And this is a really big deal. I mean, even for him to be preaching to the Romans. Remember, Paul at one time was literally persecuting, persecuting those who believed in Jesus. He was murdering them. And then after murdering, who knows how many beloved Christians, how many martyrs Paul really killed. He's traveling, and on a road, the road called Damascus, Jesus appears to Paul and says to Paul, Why are you persecuting me? Now, I think there's something really beautiful within uh, that statement that Jesus has made to Paul because what he's saying effectually to uh, the church and to Paul is he's saying, hey, it's, it's me and you together that Jesus and his church are one and that when you encounter tribulation and when you encounter uh, people persecuting you for your faith, they're not really persecuting you They're persecuting Jesus. And so the first step that we talked about last week for serving is a heart that is open to your people, a heart that's open to the church, a heart that's open to one another. It's what I would call a gospel-centered heart. I'm for you. Paul just opens himself up as he opens this letter. In fact, if you look at any of the letters that Paul writes, you can't help but see, though he's this intense individual, that he is completely soft-hearted and he's shepherding in his approach towards the people. He uses language like, I long for you. I desire you. Notice he says again, as I mentioned last week, he, he really, really wants to go to Rome and meet these Christians. And he wants to meet them specifically because their faith has been heard where? Well, throughout the whole world. People know about the Roman faith. They know about the Roman church. And Paul is saying, I want to see you. Because he knows that somehow, through the lineage of Christianity, that that Roman church exists in part because of the work of Paul. Though he may not be there directly, there are surely those who've been trained by Paul, discipled by Paul, and so he longs for this church. He yearns for this church, and he wants to come see them. And the language that he uses is, I can't come because the Spirit really has hindered me. That's essentially what he's saying. God has not allowed me to come but I'm going to share with you my heart. So he writes this letter. 
All of Romans really is Paul's heart towards the Gentile believers, that they would know the gospel, that they would know Jesus, that they would know his love, and they would know his forgiveness. They would know that his life was imputed to them, Jesus' perfect life given to them. They would know the story of his crucifixion and his scourging and his death and his shoving into the grave and dying for us and being left for dead. And he wants to share the reality that Jesus has been resurrected. He wants them to know the gospel. I want to share my faith with you, he says, and I want your faith to strengthen me. This is the heart of service, an openness that is not fleshy, but that is spiritual. He's calling Christians to do spiritual work. Because notice again in the text, what does Paul say? It's mentioned twice uh, in a different way. Paul mentions that through, look at verse 8, through Jesus Christ, for all of you, he's thankful. That's that heart of gratitude because your faith is proclaimed. And he goes on and says in verse 9, whom I serve with my spirit. That's what we just talked about. He shared himself. I thought it was really fitting. Uh, is Sarah in the room? Because I, I always mess up music lyrics. I want, what, what was that song we just sang? I want to say, <laughs> from the inside out, we'll, we'll, I'm not even going to try to sing it, that I will, see, from the inside out, that's what he's saying, from the spirit, and listen to what he says here, is he serves God with, from the inside out, that's what Paul is saying, in the gospel of his son. Do you see it? I serve in the gospel of his son. Now go back to verse 8. I thank my God through who? Jesus Christ. Paul is making a very clear distinction between the service, the adoration of the world, and the service and the adoration of the church. Right? We can do all kinds of good, but if the good is not for the propagation of the gospel, it's not the kind of service that we really want to be a part of. Are you with me? It's not social justice for social justice sake. It's social justice for the sake that people would know the gospel. And there's a radical difference, okay? If you do all kinds of good, all kinds of acts of service, and your affection for the church, and your affection for Christ is small, you shouldn't be a part of that service. Are you with me? So the world will tell you, you need to serve in this way. You need to serve in this way. You need to be a part of this thing, and you need to be a part of this thing. And you know as well as I do, the culture is really great at continually pushing a message towards the kind of people that you should be serving, liberating, and freeing. But my friends, if there's no gospel, it's not the kind of service that we should be a part of. Are you with me? The gospel makes all the difference. Paul knew that. I came across a quote this week that I think will help us really understand the gospel in a different way. And I was glad I shared it in our staff meeting because I got to hear some of the remarks and feedback from the quote that I didn't quite hear when I read it. But this particular quote comes from a Scotsman. His name is David Dixon. I like finding these old dead guy quotes because they always, they just seem smarter. When you're dead, you sound smarter. Did you know that? I'm looking forward to listening to myself when I'm not here anymore. This is what he says on his deathbed. 1583, that's when he was born. He died in 1662. He was well known specifically for his commentary on the Westminster Confession. And on his deathbed, he was asked what he was thinking. Now, I like these kind of quotes. You can look them up online. You can find all kinds of quotes of people 
what their supposedly, you know, last remarks were before they died. And some of them are really uh, uh, unnerving, especially those who didn't know Jesus, because it's, it's, it just shows the bleakness of life and the end of life without God. It's just over with. But here's a Christian man, right? And he's on his deathbed. He's been serving the Lord for quite a long time, right? 1583 to 1662. I'm not going to do the math for you, but it's, it's old. And uh, this is what he said on his deathbed when they asked him, Mr. Dixon, what are you thinking? And this was his response. He said, I have taken all of my bad deeds and I've put them on a heap. And I've taken all of my good deeds and I've put them on that same heap. And then I have run away from that heap into the arms of Jesus. To me, that's the gospel. Because when we talk about service, the kind of service that Paul is talking about, we want to say yes to sacrificial service. We want to say yes to calluses on our hands. Maybe even calluses in our hearts. Not, not in a way that makes the heart hard, but in a way that you can tell if God were to look at your heart, he would say, you've worked hard at loving, and you've put effort into serving, and you've made your, your duty to worship and to pray and to sing. You've done this well. And the Christian who gets that knows that we do that in this life, but we don't do it to earn anything from Jesus, do we? We do it, as I mentioned, that word service is also translated worship. We pour our lives out as a living sacrifice. We pour it out because of who God is and what he's done. This is what Dixon's saying. He's not saying all my good works are in a heap with my bad works. He's saying my bad works are now on a heap. I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to think about them. I'm going to heaven. They'll never be brought up again. And all of my good deeds, he recognized that even in his good deeds, there was still a flaw to it. Right? None of us do anything perfect. No such thing as a perfect parent. No such thing as a perfect boss. No such thing as a perfect mom or a perfect dad. There's no such thing as perfection other than the perfection in Jesus. And when he understood this, he understood it, and we understand it. We pour ourselves out for the gospel so that way when we go into the arms of Jesus, all that we're really worried about is being in the arms of Jesus. And that's it. I mean, I'm looking forward to that day when I don't have to rest or, or think, uh, think about or struggle through why I did what I did and how come I said what I said and why didn't I serve more here? Why didn't I use better language in this place? How, what, I mean, I don't know. How many of you, uh, how many of you are, are far enough in your parenting to know that you would have done something differently six years ago? Yeah, I mean, there's all kind. And, and my wife and I, we talk about this. We say, man... We have to live by God's grace and we have to live by God's gospel because we know that we didn't know what we should have known then. That's why Paul says, and that's why we have to recognize that life lived is a life of faith. I have faith in stepping out and doing anything and everything that God's called me to do, whatever that may be, but I recognize that I'm going to be completely imperfect in my approach to it. Are you as well? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I know that no matter how hard I try, no matter how much effort I put forth, no matter how much I study, no matter how much I hone my crafts and my giftings that God has given me, I can never quite land where I want to land. And so Paul, as he bears his spirit, and he says, okay, listen, I serve God with my spirit. And I serve with my spirit because I'm open. My heart is open to the Lord, and my heart is open to the people that I serve. My heart is open to the church, and I'm thankful, he says, for all of you. Now look at the text closely again. 
And in between verses 9 and 10, Paul uses language that seems to be redundant. But it isn't. It's on purpose. Nothing in Scripture is accidental. And so we have to look for these little tidbits, these little nuggets of truth and beauty that are in the Scripture. Take a look at what he says in verse 9. God is my witness, whom I serve. Notice, he's saying, I don't have anything to prove to you. I don't have anything to prove to the people around me. God is my witness. God is judging my motives. God is the one who's showing me if I'm right in this or wrong in it, but I'm relying on him. I serve with my spirit, he says, in the gospel of his son. Now look at what he says next. That without what? Without ceasing. There it is, number one. I mention you. He's talking about prayer. I, I, without ceasing, I mention you. And then what does he say in verse 10? Always. You see it? Not ceasing and always. It seems to be redundant. But what Paul is saying is he's saying that my service that comes from my heart, that part of my spirit, the reason it is the way that it is, is because of Paul's deep prayer life. So if we're going to be a church that's known for serving its community, serving the poor, serving the widows, serving the orphans, whatever the list may be, if we're going to be known as a church that serves those who need service, it's going to start with a church that knows how to pray. And it's going to start with a church that not only knows how to pray, but knows that we should never stop ceasing or praying. Paul's letting us know, I'm always thinking about prayer. I'm always praying to the Lord. I'm always aware that God is present with me. That's what Paul is saying. Are you aware of that reality? Right? If service is an act of worship, and Paul is calling us in our worship to be filled without ceasing in our prayer life, what should you be doing under the preaching of God's word right now? Praying. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm praying inside my mind. Sounds a lot like this. Lord, help me. Or you know there's a piece of scripture that actually says that, that, that the Spirit prays with us. The prayers that are unutterable, the kind of prayers that, 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 that we don't know how to put into words. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you wanted to pray to God, you wanted to speak to God, but you couldn't articulate it? And it just kind of came out like this, Lord, uh, you had that kind of prayer? I have. I have those kind of prayers all the time. Half the time, it's when I'm studying and I'm going, okay, da, da, da. Uh, Lord. What Paul is saying in light of service is when you see needs, go to your knees. It's the first thing Paul did. Before he decided where to serve, before he decided where he was going to do missionary work, I think even before he poured into Timothy or whoever it was that he poured into, before he did any kind of ministry, he went to the Lord in prayer. Lord, what would you have me do? Would you have me marry this person? Would you have me take this job? Would you have me move? Lord, would you... Lord? Our pastor's been teaching for at least two weeks now on service. Where do you want me to serve, God? Where are you calling me to serve? And are, are you thankful? I hope you are, because Paul said he was thankful. That's part of where his service came from. Are you thankful that, that there are people here who are willing to serve our community, that the gospel would, be, would go out within clarity? 
Uh, Brad was saying with us this last week, this is pretty incredible. This, this is amazing. You know, we have 30 volunteers on our worship team. Wow. Isn't that neat? That's 30 people who are like, I want to sing in front of you. Dude, thank you, Lord, because that's not me. Right, Brad? Thank the. <laughs> And this morning, man, they've been dialing it up. Brad's been coaching the team, and the team's been coaching each other to do it better and, and, to, and to just do it excellent for the Lord. That's kind of the, the word we're using right now in our, our, our staff and our leadership team. Like, we, to go to the next level, we want to do things well. And why do we want to do them well? Because we're doing it for our king. It's not to impress you. It's just, it's because Jesus requires us to grow and to be sanctified and that's part of service. And, and so Brad has delegated out more of his worship and you've seen other people up here and, and, and God starts to move and call people into that service. You saw Christy up here this week. She's been coming to church for seven years. She's finally not neglecting her gift. <laughs> I got you on a, see, you can't get mad at me because I encouraged you and I rebuked you. It was really good. Like I'm just... Now she's going to quit, yeah. She's going to another church. Um, and then on, in addition to that, you got her son up here. Remember I said last week you got to serve with your family. And Leaf's up here with a guitar. How old are you now, Leaf? Twelve. So... <clears throat> What gets celebrated gets duplicated. And it's important for us to celebrate those wins and those victories. And so since the team's grown, Brad went next door. You guys don't even know this. He went next door with a team of kids. How many kids did you have with you? Four kids. And he led worship for our children's church this morning. So now our children, who we want to disciple, are being served with the best of the best leaders that we have. Do you get it? <clears throat> because the heart that is here that Paul is sharing is saying, listen, my service starts on my knees, but it's going to then get me off of my knees into going to do something that God's called me to do. And here, what I want to emphasize this morning is this heart to pray. So I want to look briefly at just the different ways that pray Paul for the that different ways Paul prayed for the church, uh, and you'll have to forgive me for those of you who actually pay attention to my handouts. Uh, there's there's three points on there. You can just cross out the second two and save them for next week, because uh, I'm only going to get to to the prayer side this morning. But let's just take note at a few different places in Scripture of this idea of not ceasing and always praying. Acts six four. But we will devote ourselves to what? Prayer. The early church had a devotion to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, listen to what Paul says here. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks. That we, we just read that, Paul gave thanks. It's almost as if the same guy wrote all these letters. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit. Remember, Paul says, I want to serve with the spirit, my whole being, the Holy Spirit. Now, in Thessalonians, he's telling us there is a way to do ministry. There is a way to do life. There is a way to do parenting. And there is a way to do marriage. There is a way to do school and work that quenches the power of the spirit. 
I didn't say it, the text says it. It warns us that you can neuter the Spirit's power in your life by not, I believe from the text, rejoicing always and by not praying always. Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing the text? Do you want the Spirit's power to be alive in your, in your life? In your house, in your home, then don't quench the Spirit. How can I quench the Spirit? Then by not rejoicing and by not praying. If you want to increase, you have to find the things to rejoice and be thankful in. Yeah, be filled with gratitude. A few years ago, I, went, I did a message through the book of James, and, and that word rejoice kind of pops up in James. Some of you might remember it, it says uh, rejoice in, 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 how's it go? Help me out. Oh, my goodness. Um, nope. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Count it all joy. There's that wording of joy when you encounter what? What kind of trials? Various, all of them. The text says all of them. Are you one of those people that no matter what the trial is, you're like, yeah, praise the Lord, it's okay. I know you're not because I lived through COVID and so did you. <clears throat> Rejoice. What's interesting is a few years ago, I was preaching through that book and through the book of James, Rejoice Always When You Encounter Various Trials. And in the room, for the first time, I think maybe ever, uh, in church was my brother-in-law uh, and my sister-in-law. So my wife's brother and essentially his wife. They're not married, but they've been together so long, you know, common law and all that. They're not Christians. Okay, so they might consider themselves agnostic. They might admit maybe there's a God out there and all that. Uh, and so they came to hear me preach on that particular Sunday. This was before COVID, and I, I didn't know it, uh, but shortly after that, uh, my, my uh, brother-in-law's wife was diagnosed with leukemia. And she went through the process of bone marrow transplant, uh, all of the, the radiation. She lost all of her hair. She got really, really weak. And we were unable to see her all the way through COVID. So we were unable to see our family in SoCal for over two years. And finally, this last spring, we were able to go down there and and, you know, since then, since those couple years have passed, she, her hair has grown back, her energy is coming back. Uh, they bought a dog, which is really fun, you know, cute little dog. And they bought a house, and they're doing really well. And they shared with us that their ongoing motto for the last two-plus years was, count it all joy. Here's, here are these individuals who aren't Christians, but because of the rejoicing, prayerful message of the gospel, they're in the hospital, and they're saying, rejoice always. They're at home saying rejoice always. She's going through chemo saying rejoice always. That is the kind of thing that Paul is saying I want to pray for. I want to pray that in whatever the circumstance is, I'm going to pray because I pray always, he says. I pray without ceasing, he says. I don't want to quench the spirit, he says. So he prays and he prays and he prays. And then God brings the increase. He plants the seed. And we say to the Lord, let that seed go deep. Let that seed get rooted inside of the heart. Let it not be crowded out by the cares and the weeds of the world. Like he says in Ephesians 6.18, praying all times in the Spirit. There it is again. I'm praying in the Spirit, he says, with all prayer, which means there are multifaceted ways to pray. 
supplications, thanksgiving. He says, keep alert with perseverance. Make supplication for the saints. That's what he says. What I'm saying for us this morning, what I'm encouraging for this morning is, yes, increasing our service, but if our service is going to be increased, we have to allow God to challenge every single one of our prayer lives in this room. May God call us all to a higher plane, to a place where we are willing to pray no matter what the circumstance, that we're willing to stand in the gap, that we're even willing at times to let God wake us up as he often does for my dear wife at three in the morning just to talk to Jesus. Do you know God hears your intercessory prayers for your children? Come on, we got some ladies in the church who come here every Sunday and they've been praying every single year that their husband would finally come to church. Would you take the mantle of praying for those husbands? Would you take the mantle of that kind of service, Lord? Would you bring so-and-so to church, and would you save so-and-so? And all of you who are here, those, those few of you who are here and your husbands are at home, take comfort in knowing you're being prayed for. Take comfort in knowing that someone's praying for your husband, that Jesus will grab his heart and turn him into the man of God that God is, wants him to be. What would it look like if our church was praying for all of those people in the church that were lost, that aren't coming, the aunts, the uncles, the, 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 the whoever's they may be? Paul's saying, I pray at all times. I pray for all of the saints. I, I give supplication for the saints. That's his way of saying, I know Jesus is interceding for us in prayer, but I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm going to intercede for you in prayer as well. You know, we pray for your marriages, and we pray for, man, we're praying for all of the young couples that are getting married in this next summer. You know, there's a few of them who we're praying. There's nothing quite like a 21-year-old man. <laughs> I said 21-year-old man, and, and Laura just laughed. <laughs> That's, I think it's funny, yeah. I'm 44, and my wife still says I'm a kid, so we're working it out. Listen again to some of the ways that Paul prays for the church. And I think Paul gives us, he's a prototype. He gives us the language and the verbiage and the heart of what we should be praying. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. If you want to turn there, please do so. But it, this is what he says. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. Right, Everything he's just written up, to that point in Ephesians. In Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians 2, we're going to get into Ephesians here uh, in a, uh, right after Easter, and we'll get to go through this in depth. But he's, again, he's sharing with us this reason, and that reason is for the church. That's essentially what he said in chapter 1 and 2. He's praying for the church. He wants the church to know the promises they have in Christ. And so he prays for them. He says, okay, I'm bowing my knees before the Father. Now go to verse 16, that this is his prayer that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. How does Paul serve the Lord? With his soul, his inner being. And again, in Ephesians, he says, okay, what's my prayer? My prayer for the Ephesians church, my prayer for Sierra Bible church, should be this prayer, that God would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
Christians, do you know that God has given you power? What can stand against you if the God of the universe is behind you? Right? The world is confusing our genders. The world is confusing what is right and wrong. The world is filled with hatred. Today, I I woke up this morning and, and looked on social media real briefly, and somebody posted just a paragraph of the gospel on the Tahoe Truckee page. Just a quick little paragraph. I have no idea who it is. They may even come here. I don't know. If that's you, way to be bold. And the reason I say be bold is because when you play something like that on the Tahoe Truckee page, what you get is Truckee love. Ha! Ha! Woo! No. No, you do not get Truckee love. You get Truckee hate. Right? This guy was called an idiot. He was called stupid. He He was cussed at. And all he did was provide the message that Jesus loves the world and come to him before he comes back in judgment. Right? But because people naturally hate God, they get angry and they get violent. And here's the deal. You don't need to respond in anger or violence. Your power that comes from the gospel is not a power of of anger and, and violence and frustration, but a power that is filled with peace, understanding, knowing that when you're persecuted, that it isn't actually you that's being persecuted, it's Jesus, and he can take it. I mean, isn't that what he says? Paul Why are you persecuting me? You have power, church. So he prays that you'd be strengthened and you would know that power. That you would not be shoved into all of the weird teachings of the culture, but that you would know the truth in your inner being. He goes on in verse 17 and he prays so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Did you hear that? Another way of saying that is he's praying, may Christ feel at home inside of your heart. Is, a, is your home a place inside of your heart that God would find acceptable? The good news is, if it's filled with sin, the answer is yes. He wants to reside with you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to, as he prays further into the Ephesian prayer, that you would be rooted and grounded in his love. Do you notice that? Power grounded in love, and then look at verse 18 because I think what he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 is very important. That you may have strength to comprehend, take note of that word, comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the height and the depth, look at verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Do you see it? Now here's the thing he's saying. He's saying, okay, my prayer for you is that you would be strengthened in that power, but that you would increase in your understanding and knowledge of who God is. One of the things that makes the Christian faith so unique is our faith tells you time and time again to engage your brain along with your heart. So Paul's saying, okay, feel me, know me, know my love, let me know your love. I'm open to you. I'm thankful for you. But then he's saying, okay, I'm praying because you need to know the power that you have in the gospel. The church needs to know the power it has in the gospel. What we don't need are more weak Christians. Christians who have hinged their faith on just emotion. 
right? Emotion's not bad. Emotion's good. It's okay to feel. I, I know when we sing our very last song and the song we just sang, my emotion's there. Like, I can feel it. This morning, for me, man, there, the, God gave me just a, a little glimpse of what it is to kind of be emotional. I'm not a very emotional person unless I'm talking about Jesus. But in that moment, man, I'm feeling that emotion. But that emotion is nothing if you're not singing true words to Christ. Words that matter, right? That, that, that God would hear me say back to God, this is true of you. And as we sing together, we'd all be declaring, this is true of God. But our minds have to be engaged. We have to be willing to grow inside of our head. The Bible says, engage your brain. <clears throat> Don't just cast it outside the window as something <clears throat> that has no place with faith. We need to grow in our knowledge. Um, there's a gentleman who, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat. Not a real frog, that'd be weird, but that was a dad joke. I would have never told that joke 12 years ago. <clears throat> There's a guy who moved uh, from here just recently. He did an internship with us. And he was talking about how thankful he was for his tenure at Sierra Bible. He's been here for several years. And, and he said, you know, around the community, uh, when I talk about Sierra Bible Church with other people, other Christians that go to other churches, one of the things they share about our church, that always perks my ears up, right? Because I, I don't ever get to hear, I only get to hear what you think about our church for the most part. I don't ever really get to hear what outsiders from other churches think. And the statement that, that, that was made was <clears throat> that they call Sierra Bible Church Sierra Bible College. And I had to wrestle through that for a moment. First of all, this guy was thanking me for the internship and the time that he had grown here. <clears throat> now, here's the knock. Here, here may be what somebody's knocking, right? Like tearing down about the church. Someone may say that negatively and be like, you know what? That church is all about head knowledge, doctrine, and theology. And that's all they teach. They're really not living their faith. Now, I'm not saying that's what was said. I'm just saying that that is one way it could be construed. Right? You're so filled within your mind that you're not like Paul and you don't go do with your heart and your hands. But I, I think rather, rather the way I take it for me personally is, is, yes, we challenge our people to go higher in their understanding of who Jesus is. Yes, we try to maintain biblical language, like the word propitiation. Some of you are like, what is that word? Go look it up. Sierra Bible College isn't here for you always, right? <laughs> you got to learn how to use this stuff, right? You, you understand what I'm saying? And here's the thing. We should, for instance, I'll give you a great example of this. There was a period of time. I've been at this church now for over 20 years. Hard to believe, huh, Wayne? On staff. I was part of the church before that. So I've been here a long time. And at one time, right, as the new guy, I came in and was like, hey, I don't know if I like our name. Like, we could make it cooler. Like, because cool's cool. We could use the word grace in there. We could use the word community in there, right? We could use all these different words and make it more appealable to, you know, uh, to people who've never been to the church. Because there's something in a name you think, you know, it's the first thing you see. And, and, and now what I've come to realize at 44, Took me a while to get here. At 44, I've realized, let's keep the name. 
took me 20 years. And the reason for it is because with the name Sierra Bible, Bible Church, there could be nothing more anti-cultural, anti-worldly, anti-sinful than our name. I mean, you could throw Jesus in there. We call it Sierra Bible Jesus Church. It's the only thing we're missing. But Jesus is kind of, you know, connected to the Bible. So I think most people can make the connection. But the point being is that that idea of the, the word Bible, that word Bible is now offensive to our culture. So let's keep it up. Not to be offensive. Not to be offensive. Don't clap it offensive. <laughs> Don't clap it being offensive for the wrong reasons. But for the sake of, you know what? When the world keeps shoving all that garbage towards you, and you one day, like many of you have, some of you are here this morning, and you drive by and you see a sign that says Bible on it, and inside something in you, the still small voice of the Spirit of God, that's what you're missing in your life. You're missing truth. Because the world has done everything it can. The world is serving you by eroding truth. And we as the church, we serve back by teaching and preaching, by being open and thankful. But we have to start with prayer. We've got to begin to talk to God about each other in a very positive, beautiful way. Pray for each other's marriages. Pray for each other's hearts of service to grow. Pray for our congregation and the kids. You know, we've got so many parents in this church, and none of us really know what we're doing. It's true. In the moment a parent thinks they got it figured out, all of a sudden the hormones kick in, and you're looking at Caleb, and you're going, Caleb, what do I do? He's our youth pastor. And Caleb's like, I've only got four little kids myself. I don't know either. Better start praying, huh? Because that's where true knowledge and wisdom come. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> I want to pray for you. And I want you to pray. Remember, pray without ceasing. The art is learning how to pray while also communicating and doing whatever else you're doing. So as you sing, and the band this morning has, I think, a wonderful song picked out. I think it's from Citizens, yeah? Is that who's? King's Kaleidoscope. It's one of my favorite bands. And, and the song this morning is... is uh, it's upbeat, and it's good, and it's, it's celebratory. And so let's sing, let's rejoice, let's enjoy God's presence. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our families uh, while we sing and we worship. But let's give God truly, truly the attention that he deserves before we leave this morning. Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for all the great little things that are happening, the big things and the small things, the things that are known and even all the ways that people serve that are unknown. Or there are so many people that are part of this family that, that do a lot for their faith family. There are many who serve in children's church and many who serve in Awana, many who serve at youth group and on the worship team and in the sound booth and helping out with the, the things in the parking lot and the facilities and the building. Lord, it is the countless things that need to be cared for here. It, it truly is that overwhelming at times. But because this is your building and this is your church and these are your people, you've continued to provide for us well. Would you please do that, Lord? Would you still continue to be gracious to us year in and year out? 
that because of our prayers and our effort and our work through the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul said, that, that, that in 60 or 100 years, if need be, this church would still be standing and still be proclaiming the biblical, worthy of worship Jesus. And that this church would never deter from that for as long as you tarry. But when you come, may we all rejoice gladly. We trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing in Christ alone. Cry.